1: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I am so excited to have my next guest here. We have Maya Smith, who is the founder and CEO of The Do. And The Do is very, very cool a buzzy natural hair care line inspired by 90s hip-hop culture. And Maya is a licensed cosmetologist. She created the line to fuse her love for hip-hop and salon-worthy hair care That you can do at home. If you haven't tried it, it's all over the place in stores, including Target and Walmart, Sally's, lots of others. You can also get it online as well. But I can't wait to hear more about her journey and how she created this amazing, amazing, very cool and fun brand and how she's scaling the do as well and her hopes for also for female entrepreneurs and people that are just thinking about trying to do their own company in any industry, but also just in the hair care industry overall, how she's impacting that. So welcome, Maya. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, totally. Really, really excited. So let's dig in. For those who are not familiar with The Do, I gave a brief intro, but how would you describe it? I think the
0: do is the people's brand. It is a combination of experience and expertise from just my journey as a textured hairstylist. And it is a result of a lot of conversations that I've had with people um, from behind the chair. Um, What a lot of people don't know about my field is that hairstylists learn. We're really students of our clients. So I really just developed the brand working with people... Who had a certain set of needs. So, the do as a brand is really just a combination of what I know and what I learned from the people that I was serving.
1: So, you are a licensed cosmetologist. Did you always know that you wanted to do hair?
0: To some capacity, I did not think that I was going to be, I didn't have any plan of being a full time professional stylist. Um, I got started back in the day where you could go to high school and cosmetology school at the same time. In the 90s there was a lot more support for vocational programs so I went to beauty school half the day and and high school the other half. So when I graduated from high school my, by the time I started my senior year in high school I had a license and the plan was to go to design school and just do hair on the weekends or you know between classes. I didn't take it that seriously. But because I was still in high school, when I actually started working professionally, I realized that I was a lot better at it than um, I thought I would be. And I really, really loved always kind of being immersed in this educational environment where I could work my trade, but I was also around a lot of other beauty professionals. So it was like free school. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to build these relationships with all of these different people on the one-on-one basis and really learn more about textured hair at the same time. So I just decided that this is what I really wanted to do.
1: So you were doing hair for many years. You married a gentleman who is in the military, who's in the Air Force.
0: I did. My high
1: school sweetheart, I did. (laughs) That's so sweet. And you were in Germany, actually, on the base when you had this idea. For the do?
0: Yes. I opened a salon again, just trying to serve my community. There were places that were um, not necessarily accommodating to people with big hair, with big curls that wanted to wear their natural texture. So I wanted to create a space where people felt welcome, where people felt um, like their hair needs were, you know, the top of the priority. So I opened a natural hair salon. And just started to work with my clients to figure out what their needs were. Because at the time, there were, the category just didn't exist. There was no natural hair products or mm-hmm. products sp- specifically for curly hair in mass retail at all. So they had no place to go to find products, and they didn't have a lot of guidance in how to transition from chemically straightened hair to curly hair. So we just started. I didn't have a plan. I just was, again, trying to serve. I just started. Um, And through that journey, I started to develop the products.
1: So how did you think about the ingredients? I think just getting started for so many people who are entrepreneurs in any industry is, um, I mean, it's really scary, right? It's just, you have no idea. As I always tell people, still to this day, you know, I think back on those days, I think if somebody would have cornered me and said, oh, you're starting a company, you're becoming an entrepreneur. It, I, I don't think I would have done it, right? Like it's, That's a scary thing. Instead, right. I would imagine you just had a product that you were putting on people and it was working and it was with better ingredients and et cetera. How did you know what would even go in? I mean, no one was doing what you were doing. Backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just fifty cents per week for your first year.
0: I don't. I don't even pretend (sighs) to be a cosmetic chemist. That's not my bag. What I knew was what was currently on the market, and again, being a part of the conversations from behind the chair, what was needed to give people salon quality results at home. So I reached out. I really believe in focusing on your strength. I'm the creative mind behind the do. I was there to use the products, talk to my clients, get the feedback and make sure that it performed well in the salon. But I developed relationships. Again, I was in Germany, but I I developed relationships with chemists both in Canada and in the States. And I said, look, this is what's currently on the market this is what I'd like it to be. It's not performing the way that I want it to. These are the attributes and my specifications. This is the kind of hair it needs to work on. Can you know what can we do? What do you have? Um, where do we start? So, um, what I found was that a lot of the formulas, stock formulas, and things that they already had weren't going to work for textured hair. So, I had you know a group of really talented people that helped me kind of work. Um, formulation from scratch. I didn't know really what ingredients to use, but I knew that I didn't want sulfates in my shampoo. I knew that I wanted something that was paraben free, that was skin friendly, but there's also that balance of making sure that it performs well in a salon environment. And at the time, you know, clean beauty wasn't really a thing, um, especially not in the textured, textured hair care category. So yeah, I did not know. Um, But I went to the people that did. And I think it's really important for um, any entrepreneur that's pursuing something that they're not necessarily experienced in to take your strength and you do you and Mm -hmm. find the best people in the field um, that, that can help you along that journey. So everyone on my team just works at their strength. Great,
1: great advice. So how did you get the word out? So you first were using it in your salon and was it just kind of word of mouth that people said, oh, you need to go over and see Maya and her products and and give her a try? <laughs> or what? what was sort of that process like?
0: It was exactly that. This is something that we created really just for the clients um, because we had logistic issues. My clients had trouble even getting products from the States, the products that we were used to using to Germany. So it was something that I just did um, so that I could use the products on them. And they didn't want what I was selling. I had other products, you know, in my retail space, they wanted what I was using. So it was um, organically. Um, this is back in the day when Instagram was chronological. No one was really selling things on social media. It wasn't ad based in the same way. Um, but the message that we had really resonated um, making textured hair fun and less scary and much more simple is something that we just started to share on social media. And that, you know, I guess that message really resonated with people, not only, you know, overseas, but in the States. So before we even came back to the States, we had a tremendous following um, right here in the U.S. of people who were interested in the product, who loved the names, who got the, the musical references, and who really just connected with us on a cultural scale, um, not just with the hair, but, but they understood what it was that, that we had to say about hair care.
1: I love it. And so, did you use influencers in particular? I know you use social media, but I feel like your story, your personal story is so attached to this as well, which is great. I mean, but do you feel like people just really resonated with that as well? I think so. Um, We've
0: had some, you know, influencer engagement and we've, you know, built some relationships with some influencers, but I really believe that the consumer, um, and again, this, when we started, this in- influencer economy just didn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know, Instagram and, and Facebook ads, it was still very, very new. Um, but I, I really do think that, um, that when it comes to products that are built for salon performance, the, the professional needs to be the voice that's leading this conversation. Mm-hmm. So while we do implement some influencer marketing when it comes to showing how people can use products at home, I haven't been really aggressive with influencer marketing because I feel what most of my consumer needs is education. Mm -hmm. And that has to come from people who have actual factual experience um, that are having these relationships and they're in these conversations that happen in the salon surrounding hair. So um, the word got out really from people who were using the product. And even today, I'm the voice that is helping people understand the why. Yeah. Um, why we're using this? Why this is important? How you actually do it, and how you make it, how you care for your hair according to science instead of according to the hype that you see on, you know, YouTube and you know, Instagram. Um, there, there's a, it's just a difference of perspective when we present our products and when we communicate with our audience
1: so you founded the company and obviously you're scaling it significantly. What are a couple of the things that you learned that you had never been in a physical goods company? Uh, you know, you hadn't developed your own company Is it, what are a couple of things that you were like, how come people didn't tell me this, you know, before I started this that you just had to kind of figure out?
0: I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, Everything from supply chain, minimum order quantities. I had no idea how much product was being ordered. You know, when you get into mass retail, how much needs to be ordered and purchased and processed when you're doing things on a much smaller scale. Um, your packaging can be a lot more elaborate. You're, you're a lot more nimble. You're more agile because when I made a change, I'm just making a change for 500 to 1,000 units. So mm-hmm. I can run new labels. I can change my messaging or my ads. I didn't realize that once we were in mass retail and our brand was scaling, that it was a lot harder to change our mind or to pivot if something wasn't working um, which is always a challenge for people like me because I'm the creative, right? And creatives love to change our minds. We're all, we're all about appearance and emotional connection and communicating, right? With our audience. So, um, my biggest challenge, one of the things that I've, I've had to learn is how to advocate for myself as the creative director, to be um, unapologetic about what I expect when it comes to performance, ingredients, our story, speaking up for myself in that way. But also, um, I have to balance that with the fact that this is still about numbers, that there's always someone else that's concerned about how you're performing in mass retail and the, the relationship between where I how I communicate with my audience and what is happening at shelf. Um, I didn't see that there that it mattered. I just figured if I was myself, if I was being myself, that people would get it, you know I'm in Target, there you go. Um, I didn't get that there was a whole machine behind letting people know that you're alive. And, you know, when you stand behind the chair the way I have for, you know, almost 30 years, you're able, I'm really good one-on-one. My challenge has also been learning how to convey what you see and what you hear in this moment on packaging. I can't stand in every aisle at Target or Walmart or Sally Beauty. So how do I get my consumer to really understand the heart of the brand um, and hear us clearly and feel good about, you know, to trust us? Yeah. Um, And she's never going to meet me ever. There, there's so many parts, so many moving parts of consumer packaged goods. But in a nutshell, I'm a creative and I didn't realize that once I got into this, I would really be in sales. Mm-hmm. I thought that this business would be an extension of my salon. Like, hey, I do hair. I know what I'm doing. These are the products you need to use. And this is just, it's kind of like, if you own a McDonald's, you think that you just would get a bigger McDonald's when your business grow. But really, you own a McDonald's and you're buying a Burger King. It was kind of like the business side of the do is a completely different business than my salon business. And I thought that they would be just, you know, it would be an extension of it. And it's not. It is sales.
1: Yeah. No, um, absolutely. it's
0: marketing. It's it's on a completely different operating on a completely different orbit than what I experienced behind
1: the chair. Can we talk about notifications for a second? Who actually leaves those sounds on anymore? Well, besides this one. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether your business is vintage teas or hint water, Shopify makes it possible for businesses to connect with their consumers. Shopify powers millions of businesses from first scale to full scale by helping them set up their online store in the vibe they want. You can sell products, gain new customers, and get the data you need to operate your business in a simple and fast way. And with Shopify, you can synchronize your online and in-person sales and view all your sales metrics in one place. You can reach your customers through tons of social media platforms as well, like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram through Shopify's growing suite of social media channels. Shopify has all the sales channels sorted so your business keeps growing from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform too. And if you're looking for a solution that has great customer service support, well, Shopify has that as well. Their team is always super helpful answering any questions that I've had in growing my business. Their team really makes you feel like they have your success in mind. Join me and millions of other businesses on Shopify today and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com Kara, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com Kara to start selling online today. That's shopify.com Kara. Have you found other entrepreneurs to be really helpful to you or do you feel like you're still so much in the business versus like trying to, you know, network with other entrepreneurs? I, I meet a I meet a lot of
0: entrepreneurs, but I find that the ones that we align with most aren't necessarily in our field. Mm-hmm. Um, because the do I, I still kind of feel like I'm on an island. We're very unique in our space and at shelf because we're one of the very few brands in multicultural that's founded by an actual hairstylist. There are lots of corporate entities and influencers and celebrities that have created products for this space, but Everything from the way that we speak to our consumer, the things that we share, the way that th- we educate, has to be more fact-based yeah. and less, um, you know, ingredient stories and marketing stories. We have to completely tell the truth because of you know my position as an, as a hairstylist. So I feel like I'm able to share more with. Entrepreneurs in you know the streetwear space and the fashion space and accessories because they understand my pain um, but it's 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 harder to relate to people in the beauty space because there aren't that many. the professional voice just really isn't there mm-hmm. um, and quite frankly it's not important to a lot of the retailers it's it is a numbers game it is based on. Celebrity and popularity it's much more of a popularity contest. Um I find that major retail is less interested in in your actual experience hmm. um and more how many people are you able to attract what you know how many people your message and your your brand is able to attract so um, you know your Instagram following, all of those things really lead the conversation. So there are a lot of times that it does feel isolating to us, um, even as a team.
1: Interesting. I have tons and tons of ideas as you're as you're talking. So so women <laughs> women founders uh, receive two percent of venture capital. It's actually gone down. It was at three percent. It's crazy, and now at two percent. How have you funded the company to date? Have you done outside financing?
0: Well, what's funny is we put all of our money in a sneaker box to to start the salon. Um, I've done a lot of, you know, bulk orders through, you know, my tax returns. Yep. Um, so the actual building, the foundation of the brand has been a hundred percent us. We have had help with like strategic partners at different points of the journey um but i mean we're still it is just it's myself and a very small team of people the product revenue has you know basically been generated by our sales in in mass retail and you know our our e-commerce so it's still very very grassroots i love it um and we're in a a phase where we're you know um, you know, starting to talk more about having those conversations about um, larger partnerships and what acquisition looks like, and what is the end game? Because I, I believe that you know, acquisition at some point is a healthy. It's part of a, the healthy life cycle of any brand, yeah. right? But when it comes to funding, especially as a woman-led brand, a female-led brand, it's still really shocking to me how little. We're represented. um, And when it comes to our our credit worthiness, getting people to really understand the full vision, especially in multicultural. um, Because being a Black founder and female founder, it's really difficult to get to banks and really explain um, the purchasing habits are very different for someone um, with textured hair. Um, How often we visit the salon, how often we wash our hair, what Kinds of products are really important to us. Um, a lot of the things, for, you know, with textured hair, they're just cultural necessities. So, where um, you know our non-ethnic counterparts, so to speak, um, have have this need for shampoo and product, you know, at this frequency, we we need something different. And so, I've had a challenge just getting people to understand the value of what we provide mm-hmm. and getting the capital to to actually, you know, make it stick because everybody wants to, you know, give you money when it's working, right? But what female founders need is someone that really looks into the brand, sees what it is that they're trying to do and put some, you know, put some meat behind it before it gets started. Because how you start has so much to do with how successful you are moving forward. Um, you have to have some steam behind the brand. Yep. Um, when it comes to marketing now, it's it's just the, the way the world is.
1: You've gotten great presence on shelves, and and it sounds like you're doing it without actually a whole lot of capital, which is amazing. And especially in today's day and age, when people are really pushing for profitability in companies, maybe you're an accidental entrepreneur, and and you know you're sort of. I, I think <laughs> you would be evaluated on you know with high marks that you've been able to accomplish quite a bit.
0: The distribution has really been. Key. Key. Mm-hmm. um our initial launch and in target was like i want to say 6 skus so just that um that initial order has was enough to kind of start the ball rolling as far as getting us more production being able to order and manufacture products at a better margin you know just getting um, in mass retail um, through one of our distributors really did help the beginning of that that journey um but you're right i am i guess it, it Accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> entrepreneur. That's
1: what I, I, all, I call myself that right, all the time. Right. That it's uh and right. you know, it's I wrote a book called Undaunted that I talk about my journey and you know I never really I didn't know I was gonna be an author either. I there's a lot of people who say, I'm gonna write a book one day. I'm gonna start a company. Nope, not me. Right. I I just uh went right. and just kind of did it. So Anyway, I I think what you've done is just amazing and uh, you should stop and breathe and applaud yourself because I don't think entrepreneurs uh, do that enough more than anything. I do my best. I feel like you've definitely created a product that you know, has education around it, as you said, not only for the consumer, but also for the, I call them the gatekeepers at the the retailers. Like they want to know why should they put your product on the shelf and all of these things. So you really have to educate Mm -hmm. a lot of different people. But also like, how have you used kind of your success to help entrepreneurs make the world a better place? You're obviously creating a product that is better, but I feel like you know, you probably inspire a lot of people out there just because you know you're not sort of the profile of somebody that's supposed to go right. and create a <laughs> company that's available, a product that's available in stores. How do you think about that? Certainly,
0: it's it's funny that you mentioned that because it's um, just yesterday I was I was getting my hair braided, and um, the young lady, she's maybe like twenty three. Um, young, single mom, uh, military veteran, and she is starting to build like her own salon. Um, And so I I really think, you know, I spent some time just chit-chatting with her, even when we were done, just sharing what I know. And, you know, I was like, if you, I needed a you when, I, yeah, I needed a me when I was a you. Um I I think that sharing and with um entrepreneurs again I don't like to talk about what I don't know about so where I really start is with people that are having the experience that I had a decade ago two decades ago I want to invest um what I know into um the professional community I think hairstylists are the original influencers mm-hmm. we are the ones who should be hairstylists, MUAs, fashion stylists, we are the ones that should be leading the conversation um, when it comes to beauty. And so most of us, usually we make the money. We're able to generate the capital because you have a creative career that's usually a cash business. We have a, a lot of the money to get us started, but we're usually not organized. We don't have the mentorship Um, and there aren't enough people in front of us for for us to have a vision. There's not enough models, um, of people who have been successful. So I just try to share as much as I can, um, in, in the professional community with the stylist community, like, Hey, I'm doing this, but you can, you can't, not only can you do it, but more of us need to be here. Mm -hmm. And so I need you to support me. (laughs) number one, I need you to support me because if I'm successful, you'll be successful. But let's take a few steps back. This is how I did it. This is how I started. Now, I believe in seasons. I know that sometimes you need to be at the right place at the right time. What was happening in the industry when I started was really instrumental in why I'm successful now. Um, And so while we can't repeat exactly the time, the timing and what was happening in the industry, there are a lot of key things that stylists need to know about how to promote themselves as a brand and how to amplify their message. And it's just um, it's really up to me mm-hmm. um, and people you know, that are professionals like me that are in the retail space, because we tend to contribute a lot to the hair care space. But there's usually no equity for stylists yeah. um, to, to even participate in that. Um, you'll see these big brands that will hire stylists to, to demonstrate their products. They'll hire stylists to, you know, be on set. But it's very rare that even, you know, celebrity brands don't really necessarily <laughs> speak to the person that's actually performing the service, even though most of our favorite celebrities look the way they do because of someone in my field. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to how I'm able to contribute to my community, it's making sure that they're aware of that and that they see their power and they see how much we really are needed at Shelf. There needs to be more cele- I mean, more, more stylist led brands, more professional led brands. And, you, you know, so I'm just here to encourage them and to kind of help them find a pathway to get there.
1: We've had a number of people on the show that have shared stories about challenges. We all have them. We don't get an opportunity, let's say, to talk about them or focus on them. But I think there's so many lessons learned along the way. I certainly had... Them when I was building Hint uh, and uh, points where <laughs> I thought, okay, we're done, uh, we're not going to be able to recover from this. But then we got back up again. So I love to hear right. if there's one story like that that you've had along the way that um, sort of comes to mind. Oh, how, I mean, how much time you got? <laughs> I would definitely say the
0: <laughs> one thing we did have to work through was this the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It happened so fast. For all of us, um, when we started, we had a had a website. Um, when we relaunched the brand, and it was in Target, my website, we stopped selling on the website, and we just were forwarding everybody, just trying to get traffic to Target because you know how important it is in that first quarter for people to support the brand because you know a lot of the decisions you know that are made for the following year are made because of your your data. And, you know, your POS in that first, you know, two quarters. So we just sent everybody to Target, to to whoever our retailers were for a really long time. And then when the pandemic happened, we started getting all these direct messages. Um, There were a lot of of out-of-stock issues because of the supply chain. And then we were faced with the challenge of how to now communicate a lot more directly with our consumer. And so we started our actual e-commerce branch of the brand during the pandemic, I didn't really have any intention of doing e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, you know, the set of circumstances were presented to us, we realized like, look, we have to be able to provide um, for our consumer directly. So that was, uh, that was Definitely a challenge because again, I didn't, uh, my husband's background in the military was logistics. Thanks. good. Thank goodness. So I did have some support. See how that worked out? Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Um, I did have some support um, and just learning how to set up our warehouse. Um, But we went from just, you know, me being the face of the brand and showing up places and kind of leaning on retailers to set to realizing like, Hey, this is our brand. We have to step up. Because we can't depend solely on our retail partners. We have to be here for our consumer via e-commerce. So that was definitely a challenge, but we made it through. And actually, you know, our our e-commerce is doing great now. Um, And I don't think it would be where it is um, if we weren't if we had not had that challenge during the pandemic because there just wasn't a need for
1: it. Yeah, definitely. Well, we had uh, Harley who is uh, the president of Shopify. He was on the podcast <sighs> recently and he talked a lot about that. I mean, it was they you know, if you're not on Shopify, you don't have your a direct to consumer a, a relationship with your consumer Man. as he, as he calls it today. Then, you know, you're not doing your job. Because you, you know, maybe it's not a pandemic, but something else will happen.
0: And the way that people are shopping has completely changed. Totally different. It's completely changed. Yeah, Um, I haven't been to the grocery store in like two years. (laughs) Yeah, I just don't go to the grocery store anymore. You know, there are a lot of things about just our day to day in our target market that's completely changed. So we have to respect the way that our consumer is finding us and shopping and, and, and really honor what she needs.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if she wants to shop at, you know, one o'clock in the morning I, and she's thinking about something, <laughs> right. you know, that's what she's going to do. She's going to go on, uh, you know, your website or Amazon or whatever it is. But, right. um, you know, with hints, uh, it's interesting because the more presence we have uh, outside of direct to consumer, um, our sales actually mm. grow, and so you know yeah. we'll, we'll have different products online than we'll have on in Costco or in Target, mm-hmm. um, or different flavors mm-hmm. in our case with with Hint. But it's not an either or. Uh, gone are the days right. where um, you know that's really archaic thinking, mostly on the uh, on the side of retailers.
0: That's exactly what we did.
1: Yeah. Which
0: is which is um we launched some tools. Yeah. Um I launched some tools and some um, you know, little things, shower caps, bonnets, things that people were asking us, what do I do? Now you have all these people doing their hair at home. Um, so I used that as an as an opportunity to provide hair tools, detangling brushes, things that people can actually use before, during, and after you know, the time that they were using the products and they were only available on our e-commerce site. Smart, um, And that's been kind of our way to like, we, we, can, we don't want to compete with ourselves at retail, but we also want to have a point of difference. You know, when you shop direct with us, you're getting an extended experience. You're getting a VIP treatment and we only offer these things here.
1: When we went uh, direct to consumer back in 2012 and first started in Amazon And, you know, the key thing was that we weren't getting the data from Amazon. We're still, we sell a ton on Amazon to this day, Um, but we also have a direct-to-consumer channel. And it's interesting because we would go to retailers with with a new flavor and then they'd pass or they would not like that some other retailer had the product before them or, you know, whatever the reason was. So, we started taking these new flavors and we put them online and we call them smash Mm -hmm. ups. And we still do it to this day. That's where we test products. And so, you know, the day that we started getting phone calls from Target and Whole Foods and all the rest saying, Hey, we've got customers, you know, why didn't you present this flavor to us? And, you know, we said, We did. You said no. So, to have a pull strategy like that, yeah, we're like, Do you want it? Yes, of course we want it, you know, and it. I mean, it's it's hysterical, right? How that how that it works. Is. So anyway, I think in the future, even for your your core product, that was something a big lesson learned. So uh, yeah. if somebody is going to try a product from the do. What is the one product, I know what it is, but I'm going to let you talk about it, that you're really <laughs> known for? So the
0: gateway drug, the, the Beyonce of all curl foams, I love to say, is Mustef Def texture foam. Um, it's our number one seller. It is also the number one um, selling curl mousse. It's the crowd favorite. It's our favorite because it's the most versatile of all the products that we have. Um, and it works on you know anyone like even if you don't have curls you can use it as a root booster so it is a multi-purpose product. Um, but I think that what makes it so unique is I mean it's not obviously not the first mousse ever on the market, not the first foam for curly hair, but it is the first that was um, formulated to use as one product. Mm -hmm. So traditionally in, you know, natural hair, textured hair culture, we're kind of trained and indoctrinated to use, you know, a leave-in and then a gel and then a cream and, you know, layering all of these products to kind of control and tame our texture. But we formulated Mousse Def early, um, you know, in the brand's development to just be one product because my clients were in the military. They didn't have all day to use, you know, 10 products on their hair and they wanted something that would dry fast, define their hair, and that would detangle at the same time. So while, you know, of course, there's a moose popping up on every corner, we've really been the thought leaders behind one product application. Um, and that's really what's led to Mousse Def's popularity is not just the product itself, but really this, this pivot in messaging in the category, which yeah. is okay. Traditionally, we've done it this way, but this product is showing people how to do it differently. Um, and there's a lots of pro- lot of products, and I'm, I'm sure you experience this even in your category, where there are a lot of products that appear to be similar, but what's missing in every category is innovation. Yeah. So how do we take something that everybody's doing, and not only just you know smack a new label on it? But presented in a way that's more effective and that serves people better.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love the product, and my son, my 17 year old son, uses it as well. So uh, I bet. Yeah. And he's, uh, (laughs) He's got a uh, nice bushy hair, so he he absolutely <laughs> loves it. He'd kill me if I said awesome. it's bushy, but it's curly. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, no, he he loves it. It's a, it's such a great product, and so excited to have oh. a wonderful founder on here to share more of the story as well and all the lessons. So thank you again, Maya. Everybody go out and buy the do and share the story all about Maya and the do with uh, all your friends because it's super cool. Thank you. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for